0: It's great again to be with you and to look at yet another subject that I hope will will challenge us as men to to really think about what God wants us to do and to be in his world. Uh, The last time I spoke, I dealt with the idolatry of education, which we really need to be warned about. I want to repeat, there's nothing wrong with being educated, but let's make sure it's Godly education and not one which is idolatrous. Let's ensure that we are better equipped to serve God in this world by our pursuit of knowledge truth through the vehicle of education and not replacing God with Education in fact a false form of education because It lacks truth. Truth can only be where God is. Well, in this session, I'm dealing with the mystery of money. The mystery of money. And what do we mean by that? I mean, let's face it. For many of us, life is about chasing money. It's about chasing more and more money. And we are chasing more and more money because somehow we think we will find fulfillment in it. Well, the whole idea about the mystery of money is the fact that whereas we may be very convinced that we'll be happier with a fuller bank account, many of us have in fact discovered that there is a lot of misery that is coming down the line with more and more money coming into our pockets what's the mystery of all this that's what i want us to look at together and we do so by turning to ecclesiastes and chapter 5. ecclesiastes chapter 5 we'll begin reading from verse 8. now one reason why i've taken into ecclesiastes uh, this this book was written by Someone who probably at that time would have been the richest person on the planet. He would have been swimming among the Bill Gates of this world in terms of the amount of wealth that he accumulated. And yet, despite his accumulation of so much wealth, so much money, he was an honest guy. King Solomon. God had given him a lot of wisdom. And in having that wisdom, God had enabled him to, to see through the, the pretense and, and the thin veneer that so many people fail to see through. He was able to see the, the frustrations that individuals were going through in the midst of seeking to acquire money. In a sense, he, he he removed the mysteriousness out of the pursuit of money and enables us to understand that. And it's good to go to him because many times when individuals are are speaking negatively about money, they are doing so in the spirit of um, what is called sour grapes. Uh, The phrase comes from a story where um, um, I suppose it must have been a fox was envying some grapes that were hanging uh, from a tree and and tried to jump to get at that nice juicy bunch of uh, grapes and failed the first time, went back quite a few steps, came and jumped and missed the second time. Went back even further and came running, 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 and jumped and again missed. And finally, upon landing on the ground, thought, Ah, forget it. After all, they are sour. Okay, that's, that's the way a lot of people speak about money and wealth. It's because they failed to get it. And so yeah, they are now saying, Ah, sour grapes. But it wasn't so with so. Solomon. Solomon managed to grab the grapes, managed to taste the grapes, and then spat on the ground and said, sour. That's the guy we want to listen to. And here are his words in uh, Ecclesiastes and chapter 5. It says, if you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. And this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. The ten, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income also is a vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a great that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and he shall take nothing. and anger. Verse 18, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his Lord and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his Well, that's the wise man, Solomon. What is he telling us? I love the book of Ecclesiastes because it's such a practical book. It's a book that goes past my defense mechanisms and speaks to me where it matters the most. The pursuit of wealth is probably second only to the pursuit of joy and peace in the lives of human beings and so i'm glad that king solomon addresses this and as i said at the very beginning removes the mystery out of all this because most of us spend the best of our time trying to make ends meet and as a result we are just full of complaints time and time again just full of complaints about how You know, we're trying to make money here, or trying to make money there, and then somehow we are failing to do so. We think we've made a bit of money, some uh, COVID-19 comes in and upsets the economy, and and the little money we're making, we, we end up losing. What can we learn from King Solomon? Well, first of all, the wise man tells us that one reason why, we are so frustrated in our attempt to acquire wealth and money is simply the system that we find ourselves in. He speaks about the fact that we find ourselves under people who are also under other people, who are also under other people, and all kinds of decisions are being made by the supervisors and the bosses and the managers and the board members and so on, that in the end affect us where we are. And what a frustration that can be. That's what it means really in verse 8 and verse 9. Let's go back there. Verse 8 and verse 9. He says that, if you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. Why? Well, he gives us the answer, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. Why are we in the working class paid so little? Is this not our cry literally every day of our lives? We look at how much, for instance, the company we work for is raking in, and we cannot understand why we end up with so little. What, in the end, is next to nothing. To borrow a popular phrase, we get paid peanuts. That's the phrase that is often used. Well, the wise man here is saying, do not be amazed about this matter. There is an explanation to all this. And what is the explanation? It is the hierarchy. You've got, as I said, your supervisors, the supervisors have got their managers, the managers have got the, the board members, and so on. And all of them who are climbing there and who are at the top, they have got their own selfish interests to serve. Remember, they did not start that company in order to bring you in and have a love affair with you, to spoil you tonight, They it. They study that enterprise, they began that company, or whatever organization it is, so that they can earn and earn and earn And because there are so many of them right on top of you from your immediate managers going upwards. Well, look, they are getting the cream of the crop and you at the bottom there are remaining with the remains, that which is in the dregs at the bottom of the entire system. That's what he's talking about here. And that goes on all the way... To the national president. In between. You've got local government. You've got national government. And the national government. You don't just have the executive. You also have the judiciary. You have. Parliament. That also makes its laws. And so on. You've got all those. To be paid. And who's making the money for all those to be paid. Yes. You. You end up being taxed in literally everywhere. Pay as you in VAT. And so on and so forth. Whatever it is you try and buy, is taxed. All that is going to so many other people. And so... Solomon is saying here, do not be amazed. Your sweat is serving so many others, all the way to the president. No wonder then you keep crying. No wonder you are feeling the pinch. That's the first explanation he is giving to us. And that's the mystery of money. Strictly speaking, you make quite a lot. But almost all of it goes to all these different people. All of them on top of you. Let's quickly proceed. Because there is another explanation. The wise man is trying to make us understand the mystery of money. And he tells us another reason that explains our frustration. And it is this, that money never satisfies. Money never satisfies. Look at what it says in verse 10 to verse 12. Verse 10 to verse 12. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. No, he who loves wealth with his income, this also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, a poorly paid laborer. Whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Let's think about this. Very quickly, uh, what is King Solomon telling us? Let's face it, a pay rise is sweet, isn't it? We look forward to that announcement that we're getting 5%, 10%, 20%. If you can get 30% pay rise this year, you jump into the air and say, wow, this is the kind of place we should all be working for. But guess what happens? It's only in the first month that you really enjoy your pay rise. After that, what happens? The mystery of money is this. Your appetite grows. And so that amount of money that came and were jumping into the air now is not sufficient. Now, you want more. Your appetite has grown. Your lifestyle has expanded and so on. Therefore, even if your salary doubled today, in a very short time, you will want more. And that's what he means here when he says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. No, he who loves wealth with his income. And he says, this also is vanity. In that sense, money is meaningless. Wealth is meaningless. In fact, as he goes on to speak here, the richer you are, the more people look up to you. And therefore, the more mouths you feed, the more people you assist financially. Uncles and aunts begin to look to you. Brothers and sisters also begin to look to you. Nieces and nephews begin to look to you. Orphans and widows begin to look to you. And so in the process, by the time you're getting your paycheck, gone. That's the mystery of money that we are talking about here. Look at the way he puts it. He says back to verse 10 down to verse um, 12. He says in verse 11, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? In other words, in the end, the only satisfaction you have is when your eyes see the figure on the pay statement. That's the only advantage you have. To be able to say, well, you know, I get more than you. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, before you even really get it, you know that uh, school fees are waiting, very high rentals, the, the, the cost for your uh, utilities, water and electricity have been doubled. They're skyrocketing by decision of government, uh, fuel, and so I mean, so many other things have claimed your money already, and we're still with COVID-19 It's funeral after funeral after funeral, and they are all asking for a cut from your income and so forth. In the end, as I said, the only satisfaction is your own eyes. Your own eyes. That's all. And that's why he ends up saying here that a a poor laborer is probably better off because they've got so few hands that are stretched out to them. So few compared to a rich person. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. That's the second aspect of the mystery of money. Is telling us that it's not that straightforward. Don't think that the more money you have, the better off you are. It's not that straightforward. Let's go on to the third line of argument. The wise man painfully shows us the ultimate frustration in the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of money. And it is this, that wealth can lose you or you can lose wealth. And in the end, you don't connect with money. You don't remain with it. That's what he's occupied with all the way from verse 13 to verse 17. He puts it this way, verse 13 to verse 17. We read it before, but let's read it now that we know what he's talking about. There's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hands. In other words, he had the wealth, but it's blown. He's got nothing to pass on to his children when he dies. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again. Naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. We'll come and appreciate that because it's talking about death and the way it finally takes us away from that which we have toiled for. He says in verse 16, This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? In other words, it's gone through his fingers. It's all gone. Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. What is he talking about there? Riches that bring untold sorrows. Riches were kept by their owner to his head. Isn't it true that many marriages break down over money? Over money. A lot of rich people are in their third, fourth, fifth marriage. Each marriage ended with heartache and pain. They can't tell whether people whom they marry or who marry them really love them or love their money. Before long, they discover that it is not really a loving relationship everything was around property and money and wealth it's not only marriage breakdown it's often also children going wild because where you don't have so much wealth children learn to be responsible to work hard in the home, to work hard in the garden, to work hard at school because they know that their future depends on their hard work. Sadly, often, with rich people, the children don't even know how to spread their own beds, let alone know how to run a backyard garden. In the process, they grow up as spoiled brats, They end up being caught up with wild friends in drugs and sexual immorality and drunkenness. And in the end, they are destroyed. By what? wealth, money. We know that story, isn't it? And then also there's just the the fact of the, the, the increase of enemies out of jealousy. When people see you successful, successful in business, they see the kind of home you live in, the kind of car that you drive, the kind of clothes that you wear, and the kind of position that you now have in society, and they hate you. And because you've harmed them, but purely out of jealousy. And in the end, out of enmity, they want to destroy you that's not the kind of life you want to live where well, you have to watch everybody who is near you because you just don't know who is after your world that's what that's not how you live go and see a poor man in the village walking alone in the night in the jungle of this world free at peace why there's hardly anything For people to be jealous about. Let's go on. We've talked about marriage breakdown. We've talked about children going wild. We've talked about jealousy. Because of the increase. Rather it results in the increase of enemies. There's also the illnesses. That are peculiar to rich people. Often. We end up picking up high blood pressures and picking up diseases like diabetes and so on and so forth all because we are gouging in food that is over processed and in the end we are not doing as much Natural exercises because wherever we are going, we're just sitting in cars and and these days cars are even automatic. We're not even changing gears anymore. Just sitting there and we are going from point A to point B. Our hearts are not getting enough exercise. And before we know it, all kinds of heart diseases are beginning to come in. I've been thinking about this lately concerning COVID-19. Every so often, I pass through the poorer sections of Lusaka, what we call compounds. And it's amazing when you pass there. Hardly anyone is masked. Hardly anyone. Talk about social distancing. It's not there. The people are crowded. They are literally sitting on top of each other. And yet, hardly anyone is dying of COVID-19 there. Why? Well, their immunity levels are high because of their diet, because they are so used to being in an environment where there are so many germs, they've developed their immunity. In other words, the very poverty is working for their good. And then, go into the hospitals and you hear those that are dying of COVID, often it is, I was going to say those of us who are rich, but hey, I'm hoping I'm not thrown into that category as yet while COVID is around. The point is, there are illnesses that are peculiarly of the rich as well. I could go on giving example after example. I mean, among the enemies are those that come to steal. Um, poor people hardly think in terms of putting much security to their ramshackled houses. But it is those that are in the the rich areas that that have to have uh, not just the the wall perimeter walls around, but they they have to put the electrical fencing around. They have to to hire uh, security companies, and and so on and so forth, and and all in an attempt to, to keep their wealth. And then some of them just get murdered. Murdered. They work for their money. But people end up in organized criminal activities that bring them down. The wise man Solomon says here, riches that were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. In a bad venture. And what does he mean by that? All it needs is some change in the economy and the finances disappear some change in COVID-19 coming in and consequently things in the business world go crumbling and wealth is lost. That can be quite painful, especially when it happens right before your very eyes. Growing up in my childhood days, There were people even in Zambia who who were known for their wealth. I'm not yet even 60. And I know that they've become one of us. Some of them have even sunk lower. One feels sorry for them because they were once high flying. And now they are in that place where They are to leave their children poor, poor, poor. But what is even more painful is the the fact that they are often poor towards God. In other words, to borrow the words that are here, uh, they go out of this world empty-handed, which is true about all of us, but it is this. When they get to the other side, there's nothing there because they were not investing into the kingdom of God. They were not investing by living for others, by being generous, by by ensuring that their finances were supporting gospel enterprises and so on. So they get to the other side and they are absolutely poor as well, if not roasting in. Hell. Well, friends, that's the mystery of money. That's the mystery of money. Can you imagine? You work so hard. You make a fortune. You lose it here and then you die. You get to the other side and there's nothing. For all the life you lived, nothing. What a loss. What a loss. Well, where does that leave us? The message is quite simple. And it is this. Stop trying to find your fulfillment in money. In the mystery of money. You will be terribly disappointed. Terribly disappointed. Money in many ways can be like a mirage pool. You know, when you're driving on a sunny day and you are on a tarmac, at a distance it looks like there is a pool of water. But it's actually just a reflection of the sun's rays. Because the closer you get to it, that pool seems to be moving away from that same position. And so on. There's actually no water there. It used to be very frustrating for Arabs who were making their way through a desert because they would. They will be terribly thirsty. And then they look in the distance and it looks like there's water there. And then they make the extra effort to get there quickly and discover it was nothing but a reflection. And in the process, they die. Wealth is like that. Money is often like that. And that's where its mysteriousness comes in. Rather, where you find fulfillment is when the whole issue of finances and wealth and money is brought into the context of the living God. The living God. That's what I love about the way in which King Solomon finishes off this section. Notice how he brings God into the picture. From verse 8 all the way to verse 17, God is hardly mentioned. But from verse 18 to the end, it's God, God, God. Look at this. Verse 18, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun in the few days of his life that God, Has given him, for this is his Lord. God has given him. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his Lord and rejoice in his toil, listen to this, this is the gift of God. Was already been mentioned three times. Let's go on one more time. Verse twenty: For he will not much remember the days of his life, because God it is the full time keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. You see, when you seek God through Jesus Christ, He enables you to enjoy your food your work, and your few days on earth. God enables you to do that. And that's the conclusion I want to make today as we think in terms of the mystery of money. And it is this, put God first. Money is a good servant, but a very terrible master. Learn to live for God. And you can only do that when God changes your heart through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to him and entrust your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus himself sends his spirit and changes you from the inside out. He makes you a lover of God instead of a lover of gold. He makes you a user of gold instead of a user of God. He changes you so that you can now begin to enjoy God in everything else. So that's my plea. The plea I want to share with you. Stop living in frustration. In seeking after this mirage pool. God is inviting you to himself. He's saying, come to me. Occupy yourself with me and you will know true fulfillment, true gladness of heart. Even though you have a little of this world's goods, you will be abundantly satisfied. Or even if I bless you with wealth, Remember, that's what we read here in verse 19. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them. It's God who does that. He will give you the capacity to be able to enjoy the wealth that he is pleased to give you. Oh, that it might of you. That you had found the mystery of money by finding the mystery of godliness. That in finding God through Jesus Christ, money became your slave and not your master. And consequently, you have a right attitude towards money. Come to Christ, and all this will begin to make sense.